unashamedly there are parts of you that you cannot sort of disregard or forget about, I suppose. So for him, being six foot eight, he's very tall. So it's almost like you just got to address it straight away and get rid of it. So for me, it's like, yeah, I dress badly. Get (laughs) over it. That's not who I am. But you need to sort of address that. What is it? The elephant in the room. Correct. And we might as well keep going because that's a good point. Today's guest is Clay McMath, who is, you are correct, he is six foot eight. And I'm not sure he may, we may touch on that in the audio, what it's like to be that height and to be moving in from sport to comedy. Do you know what? That's nearly two of me. It is. Can you imagine? Oh, I sort of want to do this right now. And when it comes right to athletic ability, talent, all those things, it's maybe more than two. <laughs> I was going to say, I can see how I would easily have related to him (laughs) if I was um, interviewing a part of this interview, like obviously supremely talented, athletic, like that's how, that's words that I use when I'm describing myself. In the mirror alone. (laughs) So the reason- Try not to look directly into the mirror. (laughs) It hurts my eyes. Yeah. The, The reason I asked Clay back on the show, he has been on before, was just to have a quick conversation about- our local basketball team that he used to be a player for, the Border Bandits. Yeah. They have some professional players and some amateurs, even though the league is a professional league. Yeah. Half of the team are either getting paid like a part-time salary or the top players a full-time salary. And I didn't really have anyone else to talk to. I'm like, what happens when a whole sports league disappears, which affects the fans, but also some of those guys do it for a job? but they're not rich. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm hoping that we'll get to with Clay is some perspective on just what it's like to be an athlete that's at the next level down from a full-blown rich person. I mean, that's all well and good, Josh, but I'm just distracted by the fact that his name's Clay. Clay I- <laughs> Clayburn is his full name. Really? Yeah, Clayburn McMath. I sort of love it. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I think if you Google him, he's the – I mean, obviously, because he's got – Articles out there from playing basketball. I think he's the only Claiborne that comes up on the first page of Google for that name. Well, well done to his parents. Yeah, congr- he clearly it- named him for a higher up job. Yeah, I was just talking complete tangent. <laughs> That's not like you. No, when I found out your name was Melanie, and I'd imagine maybe it's a different Mel, I like, like malignant. Well, that correct. <laughs> correct. Yeah. That's probably what I thought when I first mentioned. Yeah, no. Yeah, probably maladjusted. <laughs> I uh, I was really kind of disappointed that you know it's Melanie. It still sounds weird coming out of my mouth. Yeah, look, I I'm, That's why I, I lean real hard into Melza. <laughs> Melza suits me much better. Um, Mel is slightly. I just I, Melanie's way too formal for me, isn't it? I yeah. cannot. Well, my full name. Do, do you know what it is? No, but the, we talk. The, the world's about to. We talk about your. Lots of different names that you've got in. I do. Yeah. Yep. Melanie Cassie Mackay Naismith. Wow. And that sounds like an address book. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> my name was actually supposed to be Cassie. Yeah. And the nurses, I was called Cassie for a month. And then the nurses started going, oh, isn't she beautiful? I think that that is a lie, to be honest. <laughs> isn't, isn't she beautiful? Oh, little Cassie and mum. Hates the name Kathy with a passion. Okay. So she she's called Catherine, like 
on the birth certificate. She hates Kathy, so she's like, nah, not having any of it. So I got Melanie, boring Melanie. Yeah, well, There's I was, so many I was of meant them. to be an Aaron, and that's now my th- second middle name because my dad got to decide my name. And Did he? I think mum had named everyone else. <laughs> really? So, yeah, so you, he said, I'm doing this one. Does that mean you're the favourite for your dad? I don't think so. Can I start a fight now between the list and well, siblings? You can. <laughs> I'm pretty much happy to admit that I think Kimberly, my sister, is the favourite. She's the favourite. <laughs> yeah, right. particularly my dad. Can dad's you imagine size. if Kimberly was called Aaron? <laughs> How much more? But then of a she'd favorite. be a Karen. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs a Karen in their family. Sorry if your name's Karen or Melanie for that matter. Yeah. Talking so, about sorry names. About that. Obviously, yeah. Clay, Clay's yeah. name's much better than Melanie. Much Josh. better. And like I'm supremely <laughs> disappointed that my name's not Clay now, but. Quellany. <laughs> Quellany, potentially. We won't even talk about the name. No, that you I, I, before. I really want to hear about what it's like to be six foot eight and potentially, like, I know there's a point to this, what it's like to have the rug pulled out from under you. But Clay's also won the very last episode of this show. I think it might have been the first time he ever said publicly that he was, other than his own podcast, that he was going to try stand up and then he, I think he did it. I don't know. Must have been a bunch of times <laughs> before really? the end of the year because he's in Adelaide. So oh, they've got a big comedy. Scene they do, over and there. it's got the Fringe Festival, so there's regular yep. stuff. Anyway, we better jump in. But if you're looking to buy us a coffee and/or allow me to purchase Mel a new name, that's going to take a lot of coffees. The paperwork's intense. <laughs> Go to punchingsideways.com and click on the Buy Me a Coffee button. It's on every page, and you can buy us a couple of coffees. Please do. Okay, this is Clay McMath from Adelaide. Former basketball player, stand-up comedian, and quite a good podcaster with a very, uh, very good voice. So, okay. So, how's Adelaide treating the the ISO? I'm still working full time. But uh, I don't know, I just feel way more relaxed just being at home all the time. Yeah, you look like the only person I know that actually has had a haircut recently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I went out to uh, my um, my barber and hairstylist are both um, still taking appointments. So Okay. Yeah, so just that's good. I'm not sure I'm ready to go all the way to Adelaide, but I'm in desperate need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aubrey's, everything on that side of things here is just shut down. No one's keen. Yeah, well, I mean, it wouldn't. There wouldn't be a whole lot of business, maybe, as well, in a place that small. No, there's none of those big salons with lots of space. Yeah, they're kind of jammed into little, you know, little places, so you can't have any distance. Yeah, I guess we're into it already, so we might as well keep going. How do you feel about the term ISO being a former basketball player? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, at least, at least on the court, you know, pr- probably getting rewarded for, for some ISO, but yeah. um, I guess the reward here is just not not catching that Rona, but... Yeah, correct. Yeah. And just with your podcast, have you been talking about it much? Because, I mean, one thing you've done that's been massively impressive to me is that you're so consistent and every week or at least as much, you know, it's just on a schedule and it always comes out. Is there lots of COVID talk or are you trying to stay away from it? I guess at the start there was. It was a big thing. It was new. Um, there's not much, uh, yeah, there's not much to say now. There's not many more jokes to be made that people haven't heard. 
And yeah, I guess I'm, I haven't even really been thinking about it, even though I'm home all the time. I haven't really been thinking about COVID as much. So uh, just trying to like, you know, get a lot of people write in for advice and would you rather suggestions and stuff. So just basing the show more off of that stuff now than, than anything else. There's not no sports or um, current events really outside of coronavirus. So yeah, just hoping that um, people keep writing in and um, yeah. Part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show again, Clay, is obviously to catch up, see how South Australia treats what everything that's going on from your perspective. But also, I don't really have any, I guess, people that I know in podcasting that are you're you're probably as obsessed with basketball and sport as what I am with tennis. Mm. And I didn't realise, like you think about sport and it doesn't feel that important to you. Yeah. But whole chunks of my week and my routine were based around Australian Opens, the ATP Tour, like those events, tracking the rankings because I'm a massive Novak fan and he's just had a week where he said some dumb shit and just seeing how those top rankings play out and then into the French and Wimbledon and the US Mm. and it's thrown my whole year off. I didn't realise how much attention tennis had of mine. Yeah. And I don't think I mind about that. But the other thing, all that extra time was being filled up with basketball. Yeah, And what I have realized is that I think that the 24-hour news cycle of basketball was keeping me really engaged with it, whereas I haven't missed it anywhere near as much as tennis. And I don't. I think it's because it was that daily reminder that basketball's on every single day that kind of kept me engaged. <laughs> I, think, I think the NBA has, out of all sports, has done the best with um, adapting to social media. Um, as it's grown, and yeah. um, there it's it's almost like WWE. Like there's there's storylines, and you know there's beefs and all of this, and even even if it's fake beef, like Dame Lillard and Westbrook, I think actually really do like each other, but like they really play up that bullshit on the court, and people just love it, and it's great for social media. And their social media has just been garbage ever since coronavirus started. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess I I'm big on sports betting, um, especially for NBA, and that's obviously gone. That was because I'm a Bulls fan, so there's not much to be too happy about. So betting really like keeps the love, <laughs> yeah, the love yeah. there. So yeah, gets you through those tough seasons. Yeah, so that's all that's all dried up, and I, yeah, I guess I didn't realize how much how invested I was, you know, both emotionally and financially. Same with same with Kobe. Like when you know all these celebrities die, and you're like, "Oh shit, 2019 sucks," or whatever. And then 2020, Kobe died at the start of the year. And um, usually when celebrities die, I'm just like, "Oh yeah, there goes another one." But I was absolutely heartbroken. I knew like I knew I liked him, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize until he was gone just how much he meant. Yeah. I mean, we might as well dig into that a little bit because I think I probably had even less affection for Kobe being a Celtics fan. Yeah. And it absolutely gutted me. And the only other person that I can think of, and it's a bit of a strange example because I wouldn't have thought that it did, but I remember when Chester Bennington, the singer of Linkin Park, died. And oh, ov- yeah. Obviously different circumstances. Uh, yeah, he was suicide, yeah. Suicide, yeah. Yeah. 
that was right on the heels of Chris Cornell and just knowing from Soundgarden, those two were good friends and then it just followed mm. on and he obviously was at more risk because his friend had just suicided as well. Yeah. That was the only thing before Kobe I could remember where I didn't think it's horrible. I feel sorry for the people that know them and the fans that love them, but I was always feeling separate. Yeah. But with Chester, but even more so with Kobe, I couldn't really function for that morning. Yeah, I, I was glad it was on a weekend because I honestly, I, I didn't get out of bed and shit. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. What do you think it was about him that we didn't, because I mean, obviously Lakers fans mm-hmm. love the guy, Yeah. but for us non-Lakers fans, what do you think it was that maybe we didn't realize when he was still around? Like, I've been wondering that myself. Like, why did I, I never thought I was a fan of him, but it gutted me when he was gone. I think for me, it was a, uh, you know, a black role model. Um, He, you know, he reinvented himself after everything that happened. Um, And, yeah, for those who don't know, there was a a rape allegation that he got through. Reinvented himself into the black mamba and just took it to another level. He was really my generation's Jordan. I was lucky enough to be, you know, a young kid and watch Jordan play, but, like, I watched Kobe while I understood the game. And, yeah, he was just yeah. phenomenal. And he did he did sort of what what Jordan did, like put the team on his back and all that. Like obviously he had Shaq and Pau Gasol and all of that. But he, I think just what he did for the game and then what he started doing for women's basketball and mentoring young players that were coming to the league, like um, Giannis and yeah. uh, Kawhi Leonard's and things like this. I just... Yeah, I, I think all of that and, and being the family man that he was, he, he he was very guarded for much of his career and he led the walls down at the end and really showed you who he was and it was um, it was really good and I think that that was what it was for me. Yeah. And even though he wasn't playing anymore, it kind of just felt like he was he was just there, you know? It just and then he's just not there anymore, and that's that hurts. I think I realised, I oh, I probably should have realised that he was a more important figure in basketball than maybe what I really gave him credit for when mm. people like, he was the reason to me that LeBron got kind of welcomed to LA because Kobe embraced him so much. Mm. He wasn't worried about the guy coming there to try to steal his mantle or be the next great Laker or anything. He kind of embraced him to the point where I think that was kind of his permission slip with Laker Nation was, yeah. okay, well, our great modern player loves this guy and loves that he's here. Maybe we should just get on board from day one. Yeah. So we can probably move on from that, that stuff, Clay, and just <laughs> talk a li- just maybe just on basketball, though, if that's right. Being a former, mm. former Siebel player and a starter, for our local team, the Bandits here in Aubrey, and it's morphed now into the NBL 1 competition, and now there's no NBL 1 this season. Do you still have any contacts or any people that you know that are still playing pro ball that now are just not doing anything for a season? Or if, as a former person who played in a really high-quality league, how would you have? how would that feel to you to just not be playing all of a sudden? For a season, it would absolutely ruin me. I mean, I had to retire because of injury, and that was and probably still is an adjustment. And it hit my mental health pretty hard. 
because uh, I guess it's just, it was all I knew. It was my whole life. I worked for it and um, uh, it was, you know, taken away too soon, I guess. And so I guess that's what coronavirus is doing to a lot of athletes, giving them a taste of, you know, what a, an unplanned retirement might feel like, which, which fucking sucks. Yeah, obviously I, I just can't fully understand what it must feel like for all those athletes because one thing I think sometimes people find out that someone, just say a starter, particularly maybe the top three guys maybe on a Siebel team, that's normally all that they're doing is playing basketball or an NBL1 yeah. team. Definitely the top two, usually import players. But it's not like all they're really doing is they're getting to do something that they love doing and traveling, but they're making what you would call just a middle-class income. Yeah. They're not banking tens of no. thousands of dollars a month. So, no. And it's evidenced by the fact that a lot of guys that are really good they play a season and they don't have a break. They've got to yeah. go. They've got to go to their next paycheck straight away. Mm-hmm. So, like, just you as someone who's lived in that world a little bit, how prepared do you think the average basketball player at that level or athlete would be for something that's this financially devastating? Like, we don't have to go too much into it, but is that something that gets talked about much in sport? Like what happens if this all goes away? Obviously, injury is different, but you don't think about you don't think about a whole league going away. Yeah, they they talk to you in passing about it. At, well, at the the level that I played at, like NBL and Siebel, uh college, you know, be be careful with your money. There's no course, there's no financial advisor, nothing like that. So, you know, at a Siebel level, like you said, you you're not you're not putting away cash where where you can have an off season and come back ready for next season. You you pack your bags and you move to the next team to play in the off season because you need you need money to be rolling in. So um, unless you are very financially savvy and um, you know pretty conservative with your spending, you're not you're not going to be prepared for this. Just like just like your normal people, like a lot of yeah. people weren't prepared for this. And that's the type of money we're talking about. Like, like um, you know, if you play, you know, you could get some guys are making a thousand dollars a game. You know, so if you if you have a double header, you'll get you'll you'll get two grand that weekend if if they're paying you that way, and if they're just paying you weekly, like the same amount per week. You, okay, so you're getting your your twelve hundred or something. It's not you know, it's not big money. So no. And just like for anyone else that's on that kind of money, and obviously if anyone's listening from overseas in countries that maybe aren't quite as fortunate as Australia, that probably seems like a lot, but it's expensive to just exist in our particular country. Like, yeah, yeah you know, if you're in a city or just traveling or whatever you need to do for games, it's not a free exercise. Being yeah, an athlete. and like these guys, um, you know, you usually have your rent paid for, and when you travel, you you know you get you get a couple of meals and stuff per day, but you're still you're still spending, you're, you're eating, and you know you're not just yeah you you're not you don't have bags of cash lying around waiting for some shit like coronavirus, you know. You're one of the few people I know that I can ask these kinds of questions to, so they're just popping into my head. But yeah, I guess just to move on to maybe more what you've been doing lately, and mm. obviously not much lately lately, but leading up to that. I think 
in our last call, I don't know if it actually made the final audio or not, but you mentioned that you were at some point going to get up on stage and try stand-up once in 2019. Yeah. And we spoke probably last April-ish, I think. It's probably been yeah. 12 months. And obviously, once you started, you just kept going every week. Like, yeah. Um, so probably when I started, so that was I think that was the 26th of August was my first um, open mic. And that was pretty nerve-wracking and um, – I went to I went to a different comedy club the following Thursday. So it was a Monday night. So it was almost two weeks and I went and um, someone put my name down without asking me, but I didn't get called up. So that was uh, that was lucky. I wasn't really feeling happy about about that. But then once I finished up my social basketball season, I was like, All right, I'm going to get into this comedy thing. And um, so, yeah, I said I was going to do one gig. One, yeah, open mic before the end of 2019. I probably did probably did 30 or 40 sets before the end of the year. Wow, that's awesome. And most, mm. and that's mostly all in Adelaide, the CBD? Only, Adelaide, only yeah. Adelaide, yeah. Uh, yeah, all in the CBD. Yep. But, yeah, I haven't gone on the road yet at all. Um, I was hoping to next year, so depending on what happens with, with all of this. That's what I was going to say. I think we might have messaged back and forward at some point, and you were, you were saying that, Maybe 2021's where you're going to go beyond beyond Adelaide. So yeah, well, depending on whether uh, I can start living my life again and get some yeah. <laughs> get some fucking material. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> I will hopefully have enough material for a fringe show, Adelaide Fringe, uh, 2021. Do that and then tour with that. Um, that's the plan. Yeah. Nice. So with the. With the material, I, I saw a couple of videos, and I'm not sure whether you, your friends, obviously, I think you might have packed out either the first or second time that you did it, and one of them put up a, a video, and I'm not sure. That's not always that helpful as a comedian, because you don't know if you want that material out in the world or not, but yeah, yeah, you were telling a really funny joke that only someone that has your background could tell. I think it had something to do with athlete's foot. Yeah. Or, yeah. Now that you're a bit further removed from athletics- are you still drawing a lot of material from that time of your life or is it going back even further to college or? So that, I, I guess the reason that I did that for that, that first five minutes that I wrote uh, was a bit of an introduction to who I was. And I'll probably use that five minutes at the fringe uh, when I, you know, when I, once I get an hour together, I will, yeah, I'll probably use that as my intro just so people sort of get, who I am or whatever, but it's not, yeah, it's not something I want to keep going back to is my sports and uh, look at me, I'm tall and all that shit. So, um, yeah. Yeah, because I think that people are going to, obviously, from memory, I think you're 6'8". So yeah. people are going to know just by looking at you that you are shaped like an athlete and you're obviously very tall. So <laughs> Yeah, so you have to sort of acknowledge that at the yeah. top. Yeah. Um, so there, I, I featured for a couple of um, comics at the Fringe this year and I used that one of the times and, it, you know, we'll stop hecklers yelling out like, oh, fucking look how tall he is and shit like that. I did 10 minutes for a, a comic from Perth and uh, that was – I did 10 minutes without using that material yep. and had a really a hard time with hecklers. So I think – uh, I'm going to have to acknowledge my height regardless every time I go on stage. Yeah, and 
I haven't actually been heckled all that much yet. I've, I've, I went and did a, a gig where I knew it was going to bomb intentionally. It was, yeah. a, it was an all music open mic. Oh. So I, I went there thinking, I want to know what that feeling's like, and it felt fucking horrible, but I got through it. I did some, I did a, um, I think it was 10 minutes on a, it was a live stream festival. Yeah, okay. It was a music festival, and then there was a, a poet, and then there was me towards the, I think I was like third to last. And uh, I get, I think it went, okay, it's weird, like the timing of it. I, want, I don't really want to do it again because not having that instant feedback makes you feel like you're bombing. Which is, but for anyone who's listening, is about as horrible a feeling as you'll ever feel in your life. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so I don't know what people, I don't know whether people are cracking up laughing at their phones or whatever, and I'm just standing there. I don't know how long to leave between jokes. Yeah. Um, so I felt like I was rushing. I, it oh. just, I felt like speeding on Zala's, but um, yeah. I got a... Yeah, I got I got a lot of new followers actually after that. So um, it must have been must have above been. average at yeah. least. Well, that's good. Yeah. And one thing I guess that you have the advantage of when talking about if someone is saying, "Oh, look how tall you are" or something, you you can legitimately just say, "Yeah, I used to play pro ball," and then you yeah. could just move on, like because you played at such a high level that at least you get to say. Yeah, well, obviously I was really good. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you. And, and then yeah, move on. And not just awkwardly just be a fucking Tall Brian Posehn or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I get asked a lot about if I'm going to talk about stories from when I was in a band, and mm. I think you might remember Dan, little Dan Caulfield. He was the person I think you introduced me to you first when you just worked together. He, yeah. he and I were in bands for 15 years together, and I've been trying my hardest to remember funny stories, and I think- Every when you're in a band, everything's funny. Every moment yep. of every trip, you don't absorb any of it like it's a story you should be remembering. And a lot of it's um, like I've been thinking that about being on the road with basketball and stuff. And a lot of it is had to be their kind of stuff or specific to the senses of humor around you. And the person that maybe is the butt of the jokes at the time, you need to know them. Yeah, to be able yeah. to get the yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I um I was on a podcast last week and they told me I'll oh, prepare like one of your best stories. Like we want we want the best story you've got. And I could not for the life of me think of a good story. <laughs> I'm like calling all my friends. Like what <laughs> what's going on? I, if we're at a pub or something, like I'll rattle off 15 stories to you. But if you tell me to think of one before Sunday or whatever, like I won't have <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty bloody hopeless with that too. I'm just. Every time I think of something, a memory from my music time, I've been writing it down. And then I've got all these little notes everywhere, like these sort of things that I'm showing Clay on the video. And I don't know what any of that means. That one is pine plank. (laughs) I'm not sure what that is. (laughs) Yeah. And most of the funny stuff, though, that used to happen, a lot of it was related to Dan. And Dan comes up on every episode of this show, so it's not unusual for people to hear about Dan. And- if it was him being naked, because he's obviously very short and just running around naked or just funny things, it's like watching a child run around. Yeah. All of the stuff happened, all those stories usually involved him or yeah. involved our old drummer being drunk. And it shouldn't matter for comedy, but sometimes you're like, well, how do I actually fit in there? Why, do, why would someone care if I'm just telling them a story about two people they've never met? 
Yeah. And I'm not really featured. It wasn't actually happening to me. I was just happened to be there when people were being clowns. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were saying you're trying not to go into the sports stuff, what are you actually talking about that's not sport related? I'm more of a storyteller, I guess. So I'm not I'm not hitting you with a setup and a punch. I'm not just gonna sit there and tell you a story. I've got to try and weave some some funny stuff in in the uh, the lead up to the climax. But like I, I did I was an extra on the uh, Mortal Kombat film while it was filming. So I've got a little story from that. Would you be able to tell us the story without ruining the joke? Nah. Nah. Right, I will, we'll have to look out for that one because that sounds pretty awesome. Is there anything about that experience that you could tell us that won't impact that joke at all? Like just oh, being, just I'll being tell involved? you this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do on my podcast and Instagram, I do film reviews, right? You're my only source for film reviews. So. This fucking movie is going to be terrible, but I'm in it, so go see it. Go see it, people. That's the unreleased Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, pretty bad. But no, I was – so I was a featured extra, so I was a – I will, like, be named in the credits, right? So I was a security guard. Okay. And everybody thought that I was a security guard. So people are asking me about the toilets are and um, whether they could use the exit <laughs> I was standing near. Um, <laughs> one of the – there, it was a fight scene and there was a referee and he came up to me and asked me if he could go outside and have a smoke. And I was like, dude, I'm a, I'm an extra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, no, it's not a – it wasn't a fun experience. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't want to do um, extra work again. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's another way if you ever get heckled about anything, you can just scream at them that you're in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yours in Mortal Kombat, man. <laughs> Which one? The one no one saw. <laughs> I've only seen one scene, so I don't I don't know, but yeah. I can just imagine your review. This movie not so great. There was a tall security guard in there that I felt some affinity for. Yeah. <laughs> he look, he, sh- he should have had a bigger part that guy. <laughs> I'll probably give the movie a 10 just uh, you know. I think you better. Just, just it might be a safe option. Yeah. yeah. I'll just finish up with this. I don't even have a betting app on my phone. And whenever mm. I listen to Welcome to the Potty, I just feel like, okay, Clay's told me to do that. I better fucking do that. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, the ads, they don't beat around the bush. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they it's it's good because these um, sponsors don't send me copy that I have to read out. It's the same shit you hear on every episode, so I can be silly about it. And um, I don't think people skip it. I'm not sure. but No, I, I know at least from me as one listener, I don't skip it. Yeah, and my friends, like my close friends who even like they know who the sponsors are, most of them have signed up and all that and they they don't um they don't skip it because they, they know they're gonna hear some some ignorance even in the in the ads. So Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well mate, thanks so much for joining me. It's been yeah, awesome no awesome to have you on video. And yeah, hopefully things get back to some kind of normality at some point soon and we might see each other out on the comedy trail. Yeah, well, I'm thinking uh, they're saying that Adel- uh, no, South Australia and WA are looking at opening up pretty soon, I think, because I think they've been the least affected or something. Okay. I'm not, I don't have my hopes uh, up too high, but I'm thinking, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm going to estimate August we might see some stuff opening up and some normality, so. 
Yeah, I'm hoping. Well, I just want to make sure it's happening before the start of last next year. Sorry, so I can. Yeah, there were everything's back even internationally because I definitely want to try and go over and see some basketball games. Yeah, before all the people that I like are now two years older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bullshit. And yeah, well, we cancelled a trip to Europe. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. That sucked. I remember when you messaged me that. Yeah, so like, I'd heard this- about I'd heard about all these people canceling things, but I didn't know anyone personally that had to do yeah. it. Yeah, fuck. And I was looking forward. I was going to go. I was going to try and get an open mic in uh, London. Nice. And, that would um, be sweet. <laughs> yeah. So that, that that sucks. I, I would have I would have started calling myself international comedian. Oh, you could have, and you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Righto, bro. All right. Dude. Well, thanks so much. Take care and have a good night and. Catch you, bro. <laughs> That's very interesting, and um, about the financial side of what the perception is. I think it, yeah. that goes into being obviously an elite athlete. Being, wanting to have a funny show and have a funny guy on the show. I wasn't sure how to handle that part, but I think it was just important that. When a league disappears, it affects two sides of the fandom and it also affects the professional, borderline professional players as yeah. well. Yeah. I'm going to relate it a little bit to women's football. Do it. Where maybe that level of basketball isn't as high up as, say, the AFL pay scale or the NRL pay scale. And AFL women's is still in its infantile sort of thing where – they're only getting paid F all, fuck all. They're getting paid fuck all, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like $10,000 for a season of women's football. And yeah, okay. so they've all got to work full time behind the scenes to make it happen. So yeah. the top the top people in NBL 1 would be gone more than that, probably. Yeah. But it wouldn't be substantially more for the average top level player. Yeah. They're probably on a couple of grand a month. Depending yeah. on how many games there is, depend. Yeah, so. and I suppose it comes down to um, how good your name is, whether you can get good sponsorship well, out correct. of being <laughs> yeah. called a good name or not. Which you and I both missed out on. I could have been Jabron McMath. I could have been Jabron Charles. I listed as opposed to taking Clay's last name. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I liked having him on the show, but not quite that much. <laughs> I don't know why you would take his last name unless something happened while I wasn't there. That makes me worried about my potential to get coffees in the future. Actually, yeah, that's not going to happen. If you're, you're, we're all we're always chasing coffees here. Why can't he take your last name? Well, because he's got a, probably a more interesting last name already. That's true. That is, yeah. that is true. Yeah, he was. It was very interesting for me to to hear about different influences and how some people can affect you more when they're gone than what you would actually think. Exactly, yeah, and. That's- really how Kobe hit me. Like, to think about someone that I despised because he was the best player for the team that was our biggest rival when I got back into basketball in the 2000s. Yeah, and it just, to be honest, I don't get it because I cannot relate at all. But one of my housemates has a Kobe Bryant picture in the house. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to talk to him for a day when it happened, like it's it's a very personal thing. It is, yeah. Um, which also brings to the point of how much responsibility you have as an athlete or someone within 
a spotlight to to do good. And obviously Kobe had a, a past that was sort of, I won't say swept under the carpet, but it was resolved. Yep. And then he went on to do something quite quite good with his name. And I think that it's something that um, a lot of people should do a bit more of. You don't just walk into the role of a spotlight or a supreme athlete. There, There's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. You can't pick and choose whether you want to be a role model or not. You are. That's even, it. Even locally. The higher end athletes like the Bandits guys yeah. and Lauren Jacksons and those types of people, yeah. they're just as big a role models to local kids as famous people are. Oh, for sure. And that's another reason why just not having the league yeah. this year is going to be tough because it brings people together around a sport because there's big personalities and there's some that are role models that yeah. are all involved. And yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. I guess we're still in this weird time in May 2020. So, well, it's not going to play out. Wink, wink. Not for this season. <laughs> God, that, does, that bad joke deserves at least three coffees. <laughs> yeah. Punchingsideways.com. Click on the buy me a coffee button, and you can buy us up to five coffees, which someone did recently, which was awesome in yeah, the one, one top, of the more recent episodes. Top that. Well, yeah, go for it. Top it <laughs> every month. <laughs> top it. Yes, please get. I, I want one. Well, we need enough to be able to go over to the Adelaide Fringe next year. Well, yeah. We won't do a podcast. We'll just go. <laughs> <laughs> How many coffees would that be? Uh, I reckon if every person listening to this donated five coffees a month, we could, well, I would go to Adelaide and I'd probably send, I'd have at least enough to send you some postcards. How about this? I'm quite small. I'm not six foot eight. Carry as we we <laughs> And I feel like I could fold myself up into a suitcase and just you could wheel me along behind you. <laughs> right. Sounds good to me. We need enough money for the suitcase. So oh, God. Yeah. All right. A couple extra coffees then. Yeah, a couple oh. of extra. <laughs> Punchingsideways.com. You can play the show, support the show, and share the show all from there. Thanks, Mel. Thank you to Clay for jumping on what was pretty late at night. And Was it? I think it was. Yeah, yeah right. And it might not have been late at night, but I think it was right in that transition over to I feel like this, this was like an arranged marriage situation. Like you've taken his name and I. And this is all stuff that I didn't know about just happened. Yeah, well, he doesn't know any of it yeah. that I'm taking his name. I guess <laughs> that'll happen when I change the author tag of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Josh McMath. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, Mel. And catch you later. Laters. <laughs>